0: to conclude the trilogy of the ueda games uh as you have you would know we did the first episode back in last season on shadow the colossus last week we covered eco with logan and now i'm here to wrap that up with the last guardian and i'm joined by someone very special someone who was on the first season as a bonus one but now he gets his own proper episode Uh, i'm joined once again by the wonderful sterling how are you doing tonight brother i'm
1: doing great sam thanks for having me
0: oh duh of course i want you back i mean we had we had such a great time on the re4 remake review so i was just like i need it's only fair that you have a proper like numbered episode so as it were um but that was a fun little night we had where we just basically splurged over why the remake of re4 is like the best thing ever that was uh, fun.
1: I've been playing here and there since too. That's that's uh, still
0: a great game. I, I played it recently because they did the Separate Ways DLC. Yeah, um, that's right. And might I say, wow! More RE4 remake. Wow, that's it's like the best thing ever. Who would have thunk that, right? Yeah. And um, the voice acting is
1: still really bad from me. Yeah. A it,
0: you know what I will say? They at least tried to give her some some one liners and some zingers and. 20 percent of the time it sounds like she's caring so you know what <laughs> that is a plus that is a you know an improvement over the base game where she is giving us nothing yep um which is so sad that Ada is like the worst part because she's like arguably the best part in the original or one of the best parts uh but it's separate ways is still a great deal see ten bucks it's like a, a five hour Resident Evil campaign for ten dollars is like a steal. Yep. Like, I don't know how else I can convince anyone to get it. Plus Mercenary the new mercenaries update is even better. You know, you get to play as two versions of Ada and Wesker. So Wesker's
1: new in it. He wasn't in the base.
0: Yeah, in the in the original RE4, he was in the mercenaries mode. In remake, he was not in the base. He was not in the base version of RE4 remake. People found code of him in it. So it's like Duh! He's gonna get put in. It's just like right. when uh, he's delightfully broken. Um, just how Wesker as should sh- be. Yeah, exactly. As Wesker should be. Wesker should be broken and doing melee combos instead of using a knife to parry is, you know, it's how God intended. Um, but enough. But enough about RE4. Be- but you know, as much as I would love to keep gushing about RE4, know, remake, it's hard not to uh i wanted i was gonna ask you about what you have played since april but i know you said you haven't gotten play much but we came up with a great solution that's right which was because it is october and although this episode isn't a halloween themed one i will make a concession uh i wanted to briefly talk about a halloween an appropriate halloween game that me and sterling adore if you follow me, you, I'm sure you've seen me lament the state of this game, which is the Friday the Thirteenth game that came out a few years ago. Um, it's it's a shame to see what has happened to this game because it does not deserve the fate that it got. Um, I adored
1: this game. This is this is one of the games that like I would just like like I don't know like I just need to play this right now. It, it's which, just so it's so it's, charming.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so charming and so simple. Yeah. But, like, one, it makes sense as a Friday the 13th game because it's like, okay, you play as camp counselors, and one person plays as Jason. So you, you're just basically trying to recreate the movies, more or less. And the games are just ginormous love. The game is a ginormous love letter to the movie franchise. Like, mm-hmm. you have maps that are set in different locations from the movies you have character, you have counselors who are more or less loosely based off characters from the movies some of them literally are characters from the movies um and you also have various versions of jason that you can play as that are from the different movies so, i mean and all if, have their
1: own strengths and weaknesses
0: too. yeah so. it and what i love too is so i i found this game out when it was just about to release i can't remember what year that was though i think that was 2017 i think 2017 2018 sounds about right and i remember seeing there was a guy on youtube who was making videos on the beta the the open beta that, that was running and he's like a guy who does like those role play like th- servers where like he totally they play characters and I like him as a person in general, what the stuff he does, but like just seeing the absolute insanity that would happen in these games, like sold me right from the get-go. Cause you would just, because it's just multiplayer, it's going to be an interesting thing. Cause everything's going to be different, but framing it where there's one super powered person who will just, is trying to kill you and you're playing as a counselor and they account for like, the rules of Friday the 13th where if your character gets scared you start tripping. <laughs> yeah. Uh if you're scared you start to lose your vision, you lose your mini map, and your character starts telling to themselves how scared they are. Like it's which so... character would you play? The I think her name was Jenny. Oh the she... redhead? I forget I what know. she was I'm like. The... So. She... she she's the <laughs> <laughs> She's the one with the, she had like the striped shirt, like polo. Uh, she was kind of like fairly balanced overall in terms of her stats. But I think the thing that made her stand out was the fact that she didn't get scared as less. Like I had friends who would play as the black girl uh-huh. because oh, she had she the best. So annoying. Yeah. Cause she had the, as Jason. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was the fastest and she had the most endurance. So like she could keep running forever track star uh, oh yeah or they would play as um kenny like the guy who literally had normal like basically middle of the road stats and everything was he uh, like
1: the uh the like little roly-poly dorky guy
0: n- i don't think so he that was, guy like, was just
1: like designed to be killed
0: oh yeah i mean it. was kind of hilarious <laughs> yeah let me let me pull up the character list so uh, Kenny was the one who wore the flannel.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Actually, yeah. I like how I pulled up the list, and they all have like tropes, stereotypes. You're it's right. like, of course they do. Yeah, like exactly. Ch- of course, the the prep guy, the preppy guy, was named Chad. Of course, naturally. Uh, I would play as him because he had the highest luck. He had like a maxed out luck stat. Yeah, so and I, also
1: he could fight. Like he had a good strength, I think too.
0: The I remember trying to go through these ones. Okay, yeah, Jenny was the one I played, otherwise known as the girl next door. Okay, yeah. Um, there was, I. Uh, who's the, the the nerd? The nerd I that would we were talking. Her.
1: I would play the Velma girl.
0: Oh, I my friends would play her sometimes because they were mm-hmm. like they were attracted to her. Oh, they really? would either play, yeah, or that, or they play the slutty girl.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, that's the redhead that I'm thinking of.
0: Sometimes you would see a straight, like the bike, the biker girl, the goth chick. Yeah, I played her too. Uh, wow, I'm like outing myself as like how gay am I? Where I'm playing all the <laughs> female characters. That's just like a consistent. I mean,
1: um, I mean Velma, so.
0: I mean, hey, you know, ally. You're, you're, I'm an ally. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) I'll just sneak around. I'd like, um, I get all the perks so I could, uh, like hide really easily. Mm -hmm. And then I just jump under the bed and then I'd like run out and I'd fix the car really quick and I'd get away by myself.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that was the genius thing too. It wasn't, the game wasn't purely about just surviving. They had, in, they had ways of you winning the game, which was escaping. So you either could fix cars. To repair mm-hmm. the battery or you could uh call the you could radio the cops but the thing about radioing the cops oh that's so easy well you have to find a fuse to repair the thing then you had to wait i think five or ten minutes for right. the cops to show up so you still had to evade jason but of course because it's a multiplayer map you would sometimes get like griefers who would just purposely like mess around you and your friends would start just fucking around and like pretending that you're counselors like it was the most dynamic multiplayer experience i've ever had at least in the last few years
1: i agree i actually uh made some friends on it which i haven't like made friends playing a multiplayer game since like halo 3 but it was like these group of like little teenage girls in like oregon and we became friends right away because we're all calling everyone retards. <laughs> <laughs> and they would like get on Instagram and hit me up to come play like Friday with them. It was fun.
0: Yeah, and were you there when it game when the game launched? Out of curiosity.
1: Uh yeah yeah
0: okay that that was the unfortunate thing because it was made by a small team who hadn't really made anything. The game was a buggy mess, right? It still was a buggy mess. For it was still like buggy when they fixed it. Which kind of led to some funny moments because, like, you would just get completely taken out of the experience. And be like, oh, yeah, Jason just clipped through the wall. That makes right. kind of sense considering the movies. Like, he could just do <laughs> exactly. it. Or, you know, your character would just get like start clipping through like cabinet drawers. Like, he is paranormal. Was, yeah. I mean, it adds some, you know, some, you know, some atmospheres. <laughs> even towards the
1: end, it was never a particularly clean game. No. But that's okay
0: it was okay. Like normally this is where I like have the issue. It's like, I would rather a game be released and not bug filled, but like with this, with this game in a weird way, the bugginess almost felt like it was part of the Friday 13th charm, Mm -hmm. you know, where those movies were low budget and they weren't, you know, the best looking things and they were sleazy or whatever. It's a and B game. The, yeah, this is a B or I guess yeah, you know, B game. I guess the proper term would be like double A game, where it's like it looks better than an indie game on paper, but it's not triple A. So it's in that uh that in that space that was much more prevalent in the PS2 era. Um but yeah, it it was genuinely like one of the most fun games. I remember how me and my friends set up a we we did a lobby, and we basically all worked together to see what would happen if you killed Jason. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of like let down by it because it was a little anticlimactic because it was so yeah. hard.
1: It is hard. Like you have to have Tommy Jarvis there. and then don't you need like an axe to yeah, do you, it?
0: You need a Tom well, for one, ok. so you need a Tommy, which Tommy could only be spawned if you called for him on the radio. And after someone has died, Right. So you had you had to have Tommy, you had to have an axe or like something like a one of the stronger melee weapons. Then you had to find Jason's house for the sweater. Mm-hmm. then you had to hit, you had to take Jason's mask off so that meant you had to hit him. Then you had to you had to have the person put on the sweater and it had to be a girl. A right. girl had to put on a sweater and then the girl had to uh, convince like she's Jason's mom. And then Tommy, I think, has to deliver the final blow. It's yeah. So, it was and so it convoluted. Everyone's
1: standing around Jason beating the shit out of him, like in it chapter one. Just a bunch of kids beating the shit out of some like paranormal entity.
0: Yeah it it was so anticlimactic and it was so convoluted to do that whole thing. Like I just I was so shocked that like that was I was like that's it. Like and I had every once in
1: a while. You'd get in a game where someone's like, "Yeah, everyone rally, let's go kill Jason," and they run up to Jason, and just get killed themselves.
0: And it's like, yeah, because right. they didn't, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't know the setup. And to be fair, the game never tells you, as far yeah. as I'm aware. Like you had to, if you didn't have the internet, which granted, impossible. Everyone had the internet, so it's like you had to look this up to know, you know, what the fuck to do, and then you still had to do everything correctly. And the game, I believe the game also had proximity chat.
1: It did. Yeah. yeah. That so was like really
0: fun. you had to get a group of people and make sure you didn't die in the process. Like too many of you didn't die. So it was like, I appreciate the effort and they were doing all this to sort of homage the game. But like, man, that feels like I'm doing like homework at that point.
1: The proximity chat was fun. I remember every oh, once in while you'd a while you get a Jason that was playing like the Seinfeld theme or something like that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it was this proximity chat's like one of my favorite features and when a game uses it, it's hilarious. Yeah. Cuz like I I'm pretty sure I've heard like Call of Duty use it before and like you just hear someone like is about to scream a a, a certified classic Call of Duty slur. And it just gets cut off because they (laughs) ran away. And I'm just like, oh, this is wonderful.
1: (laughs) I had this strategy that um, if Jason was after me and it was looking like he was going to get me, I'd uh, pretend I had a walkie talkie and I'd be like, yeah, Jason's after me. You guys Uh, fix the car, fix the car really quick. You guys Mm -hmm. got this. And then he'd he'd despawn and go go run to a car really quick.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when, yeah, because Jason could teleport. Which is so, yeah. it's so funny when you say it, but you're just like, oh, he does that in movies. So it's like, you know, perfect that he can teleport. Um. And also, if like, there were certain things that would alert Jason to your presence. So like, obviously, if your character got too scared. Mm-hmm. But also, if you're repairing a car and you mess up, Jason knows that you're repairing a car. Or if you're trying to repair like a fuse box, Jason yeah. knows that you fucked up. Like, it's... It's amazing how this game, how how simple on paper it was. It was so perfect.
1: Also, even if you successfully um, connected the the fuse box and called the police, you, you as Jason would hear uh, like a, a police walkie talkie. So you oh, know yeah. just to go right to the to the phone box,
0: and it became really hilarious too when the cops were called, you would get into, like, Mexican standoffs with Jason at, yeah. like, where the police were, and he's trying to, you're, you're trying to, like, see if you can outmaneuver Jason to get to the police, and because J- if...
1: working, lurking. Yeah. He's, it, he's it, puppy guarding. Yeah, the escape. It,
0: this is, Friday the 13th, the game is, like, the pinnacle of, like, multiplayer, like, test subjects, where it's, like, what would happen? if you just made one person suit like overpowered and you gave eight other people like they're underpowered and see what happens.
1: I don't think it's purchasable anymore. I think they took it off market and it's only playable for another year.
0: Yeah. was the, the cutoff date is because the, okay. So for people who don't know, the game got into, not because of the game itself, but because of the rights for Friday the 13th. It got into a legal battle, battle, and uh, the, basically any content that was being made for the game had to be stopped, and at a certain point, they, the lawsuit had been finalized, and uh, I remember. Yeah, the the lawsuit got finalized, and basically, from what I heard, okay, so I found it. The game is going to be so. The game servers servers were shut down in November twenty twenty, but they could be played through peer to peer matchmaking. Mm-hmm. So you know, olden days, the game will be delisted on New Year's Eve this year. Um, but you can it will continue to function normally for one more year. Okay. So this is your so, last chance. This you is guys. your third place listeners. If you have a PS4, well, I guess now any modern console or a PC, it is your duty to buy this because it is dirt cheap. And Might you bugs, need to yeah. get your friends together to play this game. Like it's perfect. For, well, A, because it's perfect for Halloween. But too, it's also just a really fun game all by itself. Like you don't need it doesn't need to be Halloween to enjoy this. And, and there's
1: all the different um environmental kills that
0: Jason gave. Oh yeah. Which which I love that they got the the body actor for Jason back to mocap those.
1: Oh they did? That's yeah, cool. they
0: they got Kane Hodder to do all those animations, which is like I love that they got this man who's like in his 50s or like in his 50s now and then he's like doing this all again for like a video game because you know anything with jason he's gonna do pretty much and i love that plus there's also all the bonus content that they put in the game like they had all they had they added emotes that are really corny and funny they had the swimsuit dlc that was a fun one Uh, then they added they added then they added the like single player content, like the virtual cabin, which I never got to. I seemed like a...
1: they... Did that come out? I I, I think Last so. I checked, they did. They were like planning on it, but it never came around. I don't know. I never. Uh...
0: It. Okay, virtual cabin two was added to the game. Oh, so yeah, oh, okay. it's yeah, it's um, yeah. Everyone should just get this game. It's probably like ten dollars. Like you could get it for dirt cheap. And you will have a blast, guaranteed. But a, make sure that you have a solid internet connection because peer-to-peer can be untrustworthy sometimes mm-hmm. with bad internet connections. So I that, that, that has been me and Sterling's little soapbox moment for Friday the 13th because it right. deserves it rightfully so. Like, it mm-hmm. is a crying shame that this game is getting delisted. Yes, goddammit.
1: Now, they just came out with another one. Um, for Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
0: Yeah, and I, I wanted to give that one a shot because I've heard good things for, about yeah. it. I, I forget if it's being made by the same studio. I think it's, it's maybe some people from it. Let me, let me, let's do some live fact checking. <laughs> I'm yeah. just kidding. Chainsaw Massacre video game.
1: And then they're doing a third one too for uh, Killer Clowns from Mars.
0: That seems like a flop. We'll see. We'll see. Uh... Oh, so the publisher of the Friday game is publishing Texas Chainsaw.
1: Oh, it's the publisher.
0: Okay. Which... Uh... Let's see. Let's see. Oh, so Sumo Nottingham. Su- Sumo Nottingham is like a bigger studio... And they're kind of reputable, so like it's not a bad thing. I will note, reading this really quickly, it's interesting that the the co writer of the film gave him the rights, but only for the first movie, nothing else. That's Which funny. Which I yeah, it's it's hilarious. It's and it's a shame that like the Friday, the guy, the people who were battling for the Friday the Thirteenth IP, like, had to kill like the best video game to come out of that franchise by a little, country mile.
1: These little legal squabbles are pretty lame.
0: Oh yeah, I mean yeah, it it still breaks my heart to see that this game was can or not and it wasn't even because like it had a low player count. I think it still had like a healthy player base for a long so time. Too. Yeah. Like and pretty much everyone who played it would say like, yeah, this is a great game just minus the bugs. So I mean, I don't, it's it's a sad it's sad to th- when it's sad to think about what is going to happen to this game very shortly. But it's also like yeah, like this was a genuine surprise release, surprise in the sense of didn't think this was going to be good. Like I'm pl- I'm glad to have experienced this game. If you I had guess. to turn
1: a slasher into a video game, what slasher would it be? Terrifier, that'd be fun.
0: Oh, that would be a great idea. Yeah. Because seemingly games can do like brutal violence. You know, Last of Us 2 proved that point. Like, mm-hmm. you can have brutal violence. You know, you could do that. I mean, I would, I'm surprised they haven't done like a nightmare game. Yeah. Like, that, I can imagine that might be like a pain in the ass to do. Cause you'd have to find ways to like do dream manipulation. And I'm sure that would be a, a, a headache and a half for developers to do. It would um, be cool if they pulled it off, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, because I think the potentials, like, if it's an asymmetrical multiplayer like Friday, like, it could be really great. Cause, I don't know. I mean, my slasher knowledge, unfortunately, is not the greatest, like... Just have Psycho the game. Just have okay, like yeah. Anthony Perkins in a wig and a dress running around, like killing people. He's like, you, have to, <laughs> you gotta find where he is.
1: And then you can do little costume swaps if no one's watching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean the the only multiplayer horror game that I know is like doing the rounds is Dead by Daylight, and I like don't want to touch that game. Like, yeah, the fan I, base, I the fan base makes me want to like jab knives into my own eyes. It's, yeah, I never bothered with that one. It seems like a cool concept and I know that people love it and it's like good for you, but like I don't know, it has this like tinge of like Redditism where it's just like totally. But like at the same time they like put stuff in from video games in it, so they put like Resident Evil in there. They put Resident Evil characters in the game, like Wesker can be one of the 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 Really, the, yeah, you can play as Wesker, which is hilarious. I didn't know that. That's funny. But like, and they also put Silent Hill characters in there. They put like Heather and James and Lisa, and I'm like, damn, that's really cool. And you put Pyramid Head as a boss. It's kind of it's kind of the obvious thing to do, but it's still cool. Like, because Silent Hill has been like, at that point when they did it, Silent Hill was dead on dead at you know on the doorstep sort of thing, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll finally cave, but today is not the day. This year I was is not the year. Thinking about
1: it, when when I kind of like realized the fate of Friday the Thirteenth, I was like, okay, I gotta get my fix somehow. And uh, I looked into it. I was like, like you said, it's it's too Reddit. They do too many like like corny little promotions for it.
0: Yeah, my big thing has always been the fan base because it's just like the most annoying people you can think about. Love this game. Oh. And I, just, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't muster the strength anymore. You see, the only the only Halloween game that Halloween game I'm looking forward to is Alan Wake 2. That's the only one.
1: Yeah, you've been talking about that one for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it legitimately looks like it's going to be the greatest game ever made. Um, it's a shame that it's only digital only, but I think I'm going to have to cave and get it because it looks I. Like
1: that's I, kind of the future
0: which I don't want it to be I which I still can't believe Ubisoft, the CEO of Ubisoft came out and gave a rare W for that company and he's like do I think physical games are going to go away? No will they be smaller? Probably but I can't imagine a future where physical is obsolete I'm like, good on you mm-hmm. Ubisoft, you you pump out 10 L's in a row and finally have, <laughs> one, have one W it's like, good for you like, we love I'm, our
1: physical libraries.
0: I did. I mean, I got mine right here. Um, it's getting a little out of control. Um it's what happens it's what happens when you have like over 120 PS2 games. It's
1: and counting.
0: And yes, and counting. Uh but I'm coming to the sad realization that the games that I want for the PS2 are all the expensive ones now. Yep. And someone was like, oh, do DVD burning. And I'm like, eh.
1: It's not the same.
0: It's not the same. Like, How much was Ico? It's actually not bad. It's like $15. That's not bad. Which yeah. is like the same price as buying it digitally off the current PlayStation store. Like with the PS2 Classics thing they do. So it's about the same. Like, it's not bad. And Shadow of the Colossus is like $15 too. For or, um, the remake? The remake's like twenty, if I remember correctly. But even wow. the original Shadow of the Colossus is like fifteen dollars, and then. Well,
1: I think the remake was like forty when it came out, or
0: something like that. Yeah, it was not a full price game. Yeah, thank God. Um, which, you know, that should be the reality. Unless you're adding stuff to it, your remake should not be sixty dollars.
1: I mean, I agree, but I, me being the Shadow of the Colossus fan that I am.
0: Oh yeah, I, I would have paid sixty dollars. Done it. <laughs> i would have caved i would have bought it and be like listen i need my shadow of the colossus running at 4k and looking like an immaculate piece of art that it deserved to be
1: was the remake out um when you did your episode on it
0: yes uh the remake of shadow of the colossus came out in 2018 uh it 2017 or 2018 if i remember correctly
1: I remember watching the live stream where they collected all like the 75 pieces of enlightenment and like mm-hmm. found the secret under the castle. That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I mean.
1: Uh, I mean, it wasn't like that cool, but I feel like it kind of gave a little bit of resolve to all like mm-hmm. everyone who was like, like Nomad Colossus and that whole group that was just worrying. tearing the original game apart, looking for another secret.
0: Yeah. Which I still am amazed that there is a community who are still trying. Like, that Yeah. Kudos it's to them. It's hard to think
1: of another game that's really captured the imagination.
0: Yeah, like a single fans. player, like a single player game that has like a clear cut, definitive like beginning and end. We know what the game has, but like right. people still have been like diving in and trying to find new things. Like that is a layer of autism that I can't even match. Yeah,
1: definitely, I, I think it just shows how how powerfully ambiguous it was. It was just so beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's a shame that Last Guardian hasn't gotten that love. I agree. One day it will. I hope so. One day it might. I'm After gonna this episode. People will <laughs> <more> <laughs> <You'll understand>. that's <laughs> the that's the dream. Yep. Um, but to sort of get us to the Last Guardian uh, discussion, I wanted to briefly touch upon AI and companion characters in games because that's obviously the big thrusting point of the Last Guardian, and including Ico, and even to a lesser extent Shadow of the Colossus, but Mm -hmm. let me tell you a good companion ai can make a game so much better like and a bad companion ai can make a game so much worse (laughs) or bad ai in general can make a game just worse like there is a there's a there's a fine line between like because ai is like tied in with immersion you know we don't want our enemy characters or our friendly characters behaving in a manner of which that breaks our sense of immersion. Like, cause I'm sure you can agree and anyone who's listening can agree when we see like an enemy character and they're spazzing out in the corner and not, and they don't know, like they stand in one place for five minutes and they don't advance, like they don't try to make it difficult for you or whatever. Right. We're just spamming like spamming the
1: same voice line.
0: Yeah, then then it becomes a Kroby Cat video where they're just pointing out how stupid everything yeah. is. Yeah.
1: It's funny for a second, then you just realize it makes the whole game look like crap.
0: Yeah. It, that has always been, like, the fine line with games. It's like immer- immersion, whatever it might be, like, being immersed in, like, a simple 2D game or like, this triple A extravagant experience, like, AI is very much, like, one of the like it's like the the uh glue that holds everything together like se- like it immersion is several different things but ai is definitely one of the big ones and i don't know if you have an opinion so to say about like what makes a good you know ai character whether they be friendly or enemy character so i don't I think know it if just, you
1: uh, boils down to how smooth it comes out i think the choppiness is mm-hmm. is really what pulls it or also just getting in your way Mm-hmm. Gotta give you a little bit of space.
0: Yeah, and they also it's a thing where a good like, for example, like a good companion AI is like one that almost behaves in a witch in a in a manner of which you don't notice them. Like right. they, they don't jut out, like
1: they're more supportive
0: than yeah, you. or or just purely because like them like the character that they are, like is an enjoyable character to be come along with and the things that they are able to do for you as your companion lead to a good experience. I mean, what the first one that has always come to my mind, and I think a lot of people can agree with this, is Alex from Half-Life 2 where she's not exactly like the smartest of characters, like because it was 2004. I don't think most people would say like 2004 AI was like the brightest of the bulbs. But She did exactly what you need to do. She would occasionally take down some enemies. Mm -hmm. You know, she would always, like, give some, like, helpful advice. And then also her Alex as a character was an enjoyable, integral part of the experience that is Half-Life 2. Or, regardless of your opinions of it, Bioshock Infinite, Elizabeth is a good AI, I think, because she does not get in your way whatsoever, and she helps you basically at every turn. And also.
1: Ashley in Resident Evil Four, the remake, was excellent. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. I that that's a case of like you know improving upon the original. Granted, yeah. I don't. That's another <laughs> back to RE Four, right? I, I don't think I don't I don't think the original Ashley was bad, but people complained about her skill issue sort of thing. You know, that's your problem if Ashley was a problem. That's right. But like the new Ashley was, she was a great AI because. You still had to protect her, but, like, she could handle her own, and as you progressed through the game, you actually got to see her sort of, I guess the term is, like, a little corny, but, like, level up. You got to see her, you know, become more confident and more willing to, like, not back down from a fight. Also, and, the commands
1: were simple. It was either, like, stick with me or hang back, and yeah, that really is all it needed to be.
0: Yeah, you don't need to hide it at a dumpster out, Ashley anymore. Well, granted, you technically could still still tell her to like get hide in places, but I love how yeah, like that's another case of where it's like, oh yeah, the AI is different, but it's still a very good AI. Like she knows to, it's that right balance of what RE4 remake was asking of the player, where it's like we want to increase the tension because now you have a second person to look after. But we know, like, we don't want to make her a chore. She's this perfect balance of, like, there's a lot of stress in managing her, but she is not, like, an an annoyance, as some people would call her. She's charming and fun, and she's just a great character. And then I was going to go to Elizabeth. Like, you know, Elizabeth, she helps you. She tosses you supplies. Yeah you know, whatever your opinion about Bioshock Infinite is, at the very least, you can say that like, the having Ashley, or having Elizabeth all along for the ride, like, she at least didn't become like a nuisance while playing Bioshock Infinite.
1: Yeah, until she drowns you in the end.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah to, to, you know, details, details, like, <laughs> But Yeah,
1: also the um Bethesda companions are pretty iconic. Yeah, they're they're quirky and they get in the way a lot and
0: that <laughs> that kind of breaks
1: the immersion. But they they had interesting dialogue and they they would have interesting like uh quests. They would have mm-hmm. have specific dialogue for, for quests, and you could use them as pack mules, which is always nice.
0: Oh yeah, you know, I mean essentially
1: like yeah, slaves you're dragging around.
0: Yeah, my digital slaves.
1: Yeah, exactly. But yeah
0: <laughs> Uh, yeah I a lot of people have fond memories of their companions in in any of the Fallout games uh oh we were t- we were talking off recording about this the guy I was talking about in New Vegas that I love is C- uh Craig Craig Boone Craig,
1: the the dinosaur man
0: yeah in <laughs> he was the the NCR sniper mm-hmm. but what i love about fallout companions and ai is that like they're not. They're not like your bog standard RPG character, where it's just like their goal is to just like barf out a quest. You know, they right. they act well. One, they come along with you, but like you can ask them about like their insight on things. You can uh, learn more about them as you play the game. You know, they have their own specialized quests that they give you. That like sometimes will let you have them tag have them tag along with you like
1: and sometimes you could do something that they don't agree with and they would decide to part ways. Not oh yeah,
0: like they they weren't like just like oh yeah, you're perfect. Like I'm always staying with you.
1: Mhm. Right.
0: And also I like they all were just cool, like cool or just unique too. Like there's um the iBot in New Vegas uh Eddie I think was his name, like that was a he was a fun one to have i mean we were talking fallout 3 has fox fox yeah um he was great albeit fox (laughs) fox is partly responsible for me like being completely taken out of fallout 3's ending
1: why well
0: because remember in fallout 3's ending you have to go into like the reactor and you get irradiated and killed yeah it's like Fox you're a super mutant this doesn't affect you yeah
1: that's right yeah.
0: What and what and Fox is like you know some of our Journeys have to come to an end in a certain place and yours does not mine so he yeah. fought like Fox forces you to do it even though they're like I think there's even an option in the dialogue where it's like yeah Fox you go in there because uh you can actually I think make your companions make your companion do it in some cases but Fox is like the one you can't do it Core,
1: that must have been intentional though. Maybe they just did that for a little bit of irony,
0: <laughs> yeah. Just like, come on, yeah. <laughs> and then Fallout 4 has Piper, she's she's a quirky little girl, uh, new, the news girl. Um, and then obviously, I, people like, even like, god, people like can look back to the Oblivion AI because it has that radiant system where they all having any character, not just your companions, like. They have schedules that they adhere to and all like they do jobs, they you know, they go to certain places during the day. And another thing about Bethesda AI is that they you know, because those like talking cutscenes are like in real time, you can just have some fuckery going around in the background. Yep. And they are just like yeah, you know, they're just yammering a about nothing. It's like, yeah, I believe you. I'm paying attention to some guy killing, you, killing another person in the background. But you know, go ahead. Uh, for me, another there's good.
1: Some, there's a funny, like five hour long, uh, Oblivion analysis on YouTube that mm-hmm. I, I watched, and this guy, like I, he he was talking about how it was a uh a big selling point when Oblivion was coming out, uh, kind of like how it still is. Like, I remember uh, the buzz, like when red dead two was coming out like, Oh yeah, you can follow around all the characters and they all have stuff to do. And a home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um But he was just kind of talking about how like actually undeveloped it was like, like, mm-hmm. yeah, they would like go home and like mm-hmm. go to bed, but that was really the extent of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I wish they had expanded upon it that more, but you know, Bethesda does what Bethesda does. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's not always what you want. Um, I was thinking, also about good AI companions. Metal Gear has great ones, like Metal Gear Solid Five has a good rotation of Dee, Dee Diamond Dog and uh, also Quiet. Quiet. I love. Uh, but also, I'm like going through this like list too on here, and I agree with this one, Jackie from Cyberpunk. I love Jackie even, and he was taken from us too soon.
1: I never played Cyberpunk.
0: Oh, you cyberpunk's now in a state where it's like good, like okay. really good. like' that's
1: what I was waiting to hear. Yeah,
0: well, and I've heard that the ending to the DLC that they put out kind of is like a slap in the balls because it it's really good ending like the true ending, but it's like it's a gut puncher of an ending. So I think that's pretty cool. And then I guess another one for me. God, this list is so Reddit. Holy shit! It's like the Guardians of the Galaxy from the Guardians game. I'm like, kill oh yourself.
1: God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Barbs.
0: Like, it lists. Um, one of these days, I'm gonna have to finally cave and play the new the the Soy of War God of War games because they're just like, oh yeah, uh, Mimir in God of War is a great companion. I'm like, fine. He doesn't
1: do anything, he just like gives you lore while you're running
0: around. It's like, yeah, that's kind of boring. I guess another grid AI is Ellie in Last of Us. Yeah. Albeit I will say there are some in the original in the PS3 version, sometimes I got taken out of the experience because sometimes she would just pop her head out, and the enemies are just like, I don't see anyone. Like, that's that fine line of immersion, like AI like will take you straight out of it sometimes. Um
1: and then Halo 3 is really good.
0: Oh, yeah. Arbiter uh, is such a great AI. Like, And then also that you have Cortana. Even though Cortana is not like a direct gameplay AI, Like, she's more mm-hmm. of a character. I mean, she's AI in the literal sense of the word. Right, yeah. But she's still like a fun character. And then Guilty Spark, too. Guilty was a great Spark.
1: One. The little demonic sphere following you around like a little fairy. Yeah. The, that was fun. Yeah, I liked yeah, that a
0: lot. <laughs> Evil Navi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can you can never get rid of Guilty Spark, but like fully, entirely, but like you can't not but be entertained when he's around. Absolutely. And then then Destiny fumbled the ball and had Peter Dinklage as the, the little floating robot thing. I forget its name. Fumbled the bag.
1: I never bothered with Destiny.
0: Oh, you're lucky. I played yeah, it when it I... I played it when it came out because it was the only PS4 right. game in twenty fourteen. And it was the only one they were marketing at the time. I was yeah, like, "Yeah, and it was
1: Bungie." So yeah, it was
0: Bungie. It was their first game after Halo. I was like, yep. "There's no way they can fuck it up." Plot twist: they fuck it up <laughs> exactly. And it's like they they only make Destiny, and now they're doing Marathon. They're rebooting Marathon as a p pe- as. Have you ever heard of Tarkov?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: They're rebooting. if you okay? First, so you know Tarkov. Second question: Have you heard of Marathon?
1: Yes, I uh, I watched some pretty good, like I know they're cringe, but video essays on on the uh,
0: the development some, of those games. Yeah, so they're they're rebooting Marathon as a game like Tarkov. What the hell? Yeah, I'm just like, what the fuck? Talk, <laughs> Talk about
1: crisis of identity. What the fuck? Yeah, so
0: the the Bungie of today is not the Bungie of the Halo days. Yeah, no kidding. And it shows, and it depresses me every day. <laughs> Uh, have you ever bothered with Tarkov? I almost did. Uh, friend, good friend of the pod, Dave, otherwise known as Cobalt, aka Cool Paws, back in the day on Twitter, or I guess X now. Uh, he was playing Tarkov, and I think the best way he described it is like having your balls stomped on constantly. For sure. Um, yeah, I. it piqued my interest. Let's put it that way. Agreed. Um, I
1: I looked into it and then I realized this is like a whole nother league of autism. I won't even be able to. Oh yeah. In, so I was like, no.
0: <laughs> New no way. I mean, I'm autistic, but I'm not that level. Yeah. There, there's a work cut out for us. Yeah. There, there's only a with those like shooter games that get really into the granular details. My brain can only hold in so so much information.
1: Yeah, and there's like an economy system that I really don't want to like. I. I need to I need to worry about real life economics not some fucking video game economics
0: amen um, amen but yeah I it's AI is such a fine it's you never realize how much an experience with good AI matters until when it's not working like I'm trying to think of what, like any recent game like again, I said we wouldn't go back to it, but it's so easy because me and Sterling talked about it, but re4 remake, the a- the enemy AI in that is fantastic. like they feel super aggressive and they don't mm-hmm. take you out of the experience at all. um
1: Well, it's hard not to go back to that game. like that's it's still a really recent game and it was just so well it, done.
0: Oh it's I mean it's it's a, it's
1: a new metric I feel
0: one review i always heard one review i listened to about RE4 remake it's like they were referencing this bit from this like sh- comedy show and they were just like oh yeah you've, you know RE4 is like crack it's good it's addictive yeah. get yeah. you hooked like i was like that's... yeah RE4 remake is like crack you know once cuz i played 3 playthroughs of it like in the span of 2 weeks for anyone who doesn't know like that's how addicted i was to that remake but, yeah, like, I'm in the middle
1: of another uh, uh, professional playthrough uh, right now.
0: I need to get that S plus professional. It's God. it's masochism.
1: It seems like a headache. Holy shit!
0: Yeah, like I'm gonna have to consult the guides to do you that
1: exactly. Yeah, one of those like two hour long like videos about
0: yeah. How them? do stand you stand in this corner? Yeah, because what is a Resident Evil game without having a arbitrary, ball bustingly difficult. Uh, manner of which to get an item that gives you infinite ammo like it's series tradition and RE4 remake sure fucking went all in on that concept I love that it did don't get me wrong but to get that to do the S plus professional rank it's like you have to beat it in under five hours you only can save the game manually 15 times yeah and you can't bring over any any weapons from previous playthroughs. I'm like, you are so mean. You're so mean doing that. Um, they knew what they were doing. Those oh, ab- absolutely. I guess uh, another AI. I just thought of it. Like another good AI is like the Souls games. Like it's not in the companion, yes. not in the companion sense, but like good, challenging AI and will actually bring the best out of a game sometimes like good tough maybe not fair all the times but you know fair most of the times you know everything
1: about those games is so buttery smooth
0: oh yeah like in i feel like that's why people got so hooked on them it's because like the ai even though it would cause people to smash controllers like it never took them out of the mode of experience like I, when I was playing Armored Core 6, like, you know, I had the first, like, true, like, oh, this this is some real shit boss fight. Uh-huh. And I was like, it took me, like, 10 times, I think, to beat it. And I was like, but it never took me out of the experience. It only, like, kept me more in the experience. And I, even with these Souls games that I have played, like, that's the same thing, too. It's like, I want to stay invested in this, even though this thing is, like, kicking my ass left and right up and down. Which is it's a weird thing too because like you think like on paper that would take you out of experience like I can't beat a boss, but the Souls games actually keep you in the in the experience by being so difficult. It's so weird.
1: What do you think of the lore of them? Like how you have to get it through like um, big <laughs> I think dialogue it, and like item descriptions.
0: I think it's pretty cool. Like yeah. it definitely is. It's definitely playing to the strengths of the video game medium to storytell. it's not relying on just like info dumping like it, it rewards genuine curiosity yeah um which is which is interesting too when you hear about how they why they came up with that as a concept it was because the, the Hideaki, uh miyazaki was like I liked reading books in, you know, sci-fi and fantasy books in English, but I didn't know all the words. So when I did that for my games, I try to make it vague as if you're reading something in another language you don't fully understand, Mm -hmm. which makes complete sense. Like, you, once you know that that's where the inspiration came from, the rest of the lore and storytelling in those games makes complete sense. And i think it's cool i don't think every game needs it like you can do your traditional storytelling in other games like you don't have to copy souls to get the point across but i am glad that there are games trying this more and not like spelling it out to you what's going on
1: yeah i was taking a uh, college class when i was playing dark souls 3 and it was it was like a uh academic approach to the to the New Testament and it was really interesting because the the teacher was was really cool and uh, she was just kind of giving like some examples of of kind of how like um, study how how these books would cross cross reference each other and how they they mm-hmm. pull apart the language and I was thinking like if if Dark Souls wasn't around there would be like like these autists that get really into these video games would be excellent, like ancient literary scholars.
0: Oh yeah. Dark Souls kept <laughs> Dark Souls took away so many great, like medieval scholars of our world. Exactly, and yeah. We can only thank From Software for that. Or I guess blame From Software for that. But you know I think it's great that there is a there is a there's a genre of games that plays to the autists out there.
1: Yeah, and it's also like tastefully ambiguous, much like the Ueda games are. Where, mm-hmm. like, um, I think, well, Ueda, much, much to a bigger degree, is ambiguous because there's almost like nothing.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, there's like nothing in this game. Yeah. It, just just enough.
1: Just enough. Yeah. Well, and then in Shadow of the Colossus, there was even less. And I think that's what drove people mad.
0: <laughs> it drove it's them insane. Wanting more. <laughs> It drove it, so many people insane that it created a sub community of people who spent the better part of near 20 years analyzing everything in that game's code, trying to find everything. Yeah. Where there's still like people are still trying to like find new ways to find new things. And it's like, guys, I think you need to move on. But at the yeah. same time, I'm like, this is cool that a game did that. But it is interesting that you brought that up because. Miyazaki was inspired by Ico or Eco, like he said. You know, Eco is the reason why he got into gaming. Awesome. So it, there's the connection, that. like, and it makes yeah. you know, the 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 family tree, as it were, was definitely formed there. Um, but yeah, I mean, companion AI is we love them when they do what we want them to do, and we hate them when we they don't want. To when they don't do what we want them to do. Uh and it's interesting the game of tonight your main ai companion is a is a perfect example of both. Exactly. Uh, but beautiful gray area. Yeah, but it's a gray area and it's a beautiful gray area. So unless you don't have anything else to say, I figure we can just get into the meat of it which is the last guardian how about that?
1: Yep, sounds great. I'm excited. All right.
0: So I Let's move on to the game of tonight, which is The Last Guardian. Okay, I I was looking this up about the supposed next-gen design game. So this is what the Wikipedia says. Who knows what the state of the game is now? So in September 2018, Ueda revealed that the studio was in prototyping of designing a new game supported with funding from the investments fund Kowloon Knights. Then in March of 2020, Epic announced announced that they will be fully funding development of it with two companies splitting profits in half. In 2021, they teased the game in a New Year's postcard, which features screenshots from Muayda's three previous games and an yeah. unidentified... Okay, I remember I'm... that, yeah. I mean, this this would be about five years, and games usually take about five years. I wouldn't be shocked if he shows it off in the next year or two. Yeah, but this it, is also
1: it, Ueda, so who knows? <laughs> I mean,
0: looking at it, Eco took like three years to make, I think. Three years, no, Eco took five years. But that's because they switched from the PS1 to the two, because um, they realized the one couldn't do what they wanted to do.
1: Mm-hmm. They had the same issue with Shadow of the Colossus, or excuse me, yeah, uh, Last Guard. Uh, yeah, and
0: I'll get to that. So then Shadow took. Four years, I think, which is fascinating to see that Shadow was originally designed as a multiplayer game.
1: Yes, totally.
0: Which I kind of would love to see them try what their idea of a multiplayer would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that'd
1: be interesting because I definitely think that sh- that uh the Last Guardian has more Ico DNA than mm-hmm. uh, Shadow of the Colossus, so that'd be cool if four. Ties into two, like three tied into one.
0: I mean, based off that, based off that one piece <laughs> yeah. of like, it seems like they're going for the shadow, and because it's like, let me just make sure. I'm. Want to make sure I got my thing right. I appreciate DuckDuckGo Duck Go that you're showing me uh Last Guardian screenshots right now, but I don't want that because it's like a, it's a boy in a red cloak. I'm assuming it's a boy because he's always had a boy character. It's like a boy in a red cloak holding his hand out to something like big. That's- I read
1: somewhere, like in a in a stupid little article or something, that uh he was experimenting like with mechs or robots or something.
0: I I mean. I would love him to do that because it would be like a new new thing for him. Like, and that's what it looks like. He's holding his hand out to a like big thing of scrap metal. Uh-huh. Cool. But still in like this really beautiful, like serene landscape. So Brian, it's like... like his
1: classic um his lush forbidden lands. And it's funny because it's it's only in the forbidden lands in shadow, but more or less all three of them are in a forbidden land of swords.
0: Yeah, I mean, so much so that people think I, ECO is the sequel to Shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know how much credence I would put into that theory. I kind of like yeah. that they kind of exist in this nebulous in between of just like cutely referencing, but maybe it could be connected sort of right. thing. But yeah, I, I, Man, man, I just want him to make a new game. He's just I know, that good. I know. Like I Grant, I I am willing to sit and wait, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, he can take his time, for sure.
0: It's just my urge to want to play is like so big for anything he does cuz every game that he touches is like a masterpiece.
1: Recognized or not.
0: Yeah, The Last Guardian is definitely not the one that's it'll be one of those games where it's like in 10 years people will realize like oh we were yeah. way too harsh on this.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: But speak so speaking of misunderstood possi- you know, future games to be beloved, The Last Guardian uh it came out on the PlayStation 4 uh on December 6, 2016. Uh, this game went through development hell. So, this is the third game from Fumita Ueda. Uh, this game was announced, or it was confirmed that they were making it/slash announced in 2007. It was properly shown off in 2009. Uh, then by 2011, the game's development team of Team Eco and Ueda had left and departed where Ueda was still only contractually obligated that he had to finish it. So they decided to, in a sense, restart development on the PlayStation 4 after spending the entire PS3 generation making the game because it was just not running well at all. Like, that 2009 trailer pretty much was the game running at double speed to look like it was running stably. Um... Granted, it was a very conv- it was convincing, I will say, um, but yeah, it was restarted on the pe- restarted in the sense of they began development again to finish it in 2014 with Ueda's new new design team called Gen Design. Uh, I remember when it was officially re revealed in 2015 at E3, and I lost my goddamn mind when I saw it again.
1: Yeah, years and years later.
0: For me, it was six years later. I was like, I thought this game was canceled. Yeah, and then it I just magic it it like a miracle. It came out, and then it came out in twenty sixteen. And granted, a lot of people were hyped for it because I think everyone still was like, "This is the Shadow, of the Colossus guy. This is the Eco guy. Like, he wouldn't let us down." And I remember like big YouTubers were like, they were putting videos up of their playthroughs, and. I was like, man, like, it's cool to see, like, this game that maybe isn't, like, you know, a big block big blockbuster experience is getting this huge amount of attention. But sadly, this game kind of, like, didn't sell well, and it also critics were kind of, like, they were positive on it, but they weren't, like, glowingly positive about it. Yeah, they weren't raving. Um, yeah, which... I think a lot of in it kind this game kind of got lost in the wayside, especially as Sony uh, retardedly insisted upon going away from their Japan branches of games. You know, it was a real shame, just considering that this game was fabled to come out, but you know, never did, and finally did, and all this stuff. Um, but I'm I'm talking about this game because sterling said i should because this i i had never played it until this year which i which surprised me yeah which i want to slap myself in the face to the end of time for not playing this like um, here you are
1: better late than never
0: exactly um i mentioned this to you sterling but there have been moments since i've played this where i'm thinking to myself this possibly might be my favorite game of all time like
1: that made me happy to hear you say it, because I, I feel yeah. like this game has been it's devastatingly slept on.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, when YouTubers were, like, slamming this game for, like, you know, for stuff that I think they were just not giving this game its fair shot, because it it does not play, like, traditional games, much like does game previous stuff, but it doesn't play, like, even, like, his previous stuff. It's different. Yeah. So...
1: It doesn't play like anything i've ever played before
0: no not at all so before we get into it so i'll ask you what do you think of the last guardian
1: oh man um well, that's a big question <laughs> i
0: I guess, you, what,
1: yeah, I guess when did
0: you when did you play it i guess this is a good I, starting point
1: i was late to it as well i got to it probably a few years after release, uh, because I think I didn't have a PS4 at the time. And mm-hmm. as soon as I picked up a PS4, this is always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. I was a huge shadow kid. And I was like, yeah, this this has to happen. And I remember playing it and it just blew my socks off. And I kind of ran online to see what people had to say about it. And I was I was really bummed out that no one, no one really, really, and still no one has that much good to say about it. And mm-hmm. I think it's a shame.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a shame because like, this is another thing you and I were talking about. This is a game where you have to approach it by its rules. And there are certain games like that where it's just you have to understand that this does not pick up, play like a standard game where it's like pick up and play and I understand things are going. Right. Last Guardian is a game where you have to sort of understand one what you have to do, but like what does that mean as a result? Which, granted, the setup for this game is very simple. You play as literally a character called Boy. Mm-hmm. You're just you're just a little boy, and you wake up in a cave, and suddenly this big griffin monster called Trico uh, is there with you. And you both don't know where you are, and all you have to do is escape. Like, you just have to find a way out, and you have to work together with this big, you know, with Trico in order to get out. And it's an incredibly simple premise, much like Ueda's other games, where eco is about saving, you know, your girl. Shadow of the Colossus is killing big monsters to save my girl. And so the last card Guardian... is
1: this this game's being narrated by the by the boy as an adult or older man.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And
1: uh even just these kind of vague, thoughtful narrations, it already gives it way more exposition than the previous two
0: oh yeah it this is the most story and i say that in quotes most right. story in no, any totally. of his games yeah. but it's not it's still like much have i said with my other episodes his subtraction design is very much prevalent here where like sterling said the game is narrated by the boy when he's older and he's kind of just you know thinking back about his journey and it's really he's only saying like Just quick little observations like, oh, yeah, the the beast has suddenly now befriended me or the beast has, you know, how do I make sure this beast knows what to do? Like when you get the the ability to have commands for Trico, like the, the boy will have like narration about it, but it's still very vague about like, what does this all mean? What's going on? Where am I? Blah, you know, all these sort of things.
1: Also, if you're stuck, it'll give you a uh, little clues.
0: Oh yeah. Subtraction design working in its rate. That's another thing too, is this is a modern game that barely holds your hand. I mean the one the one little little just imperfection about this game is that it constantly shows you control things. Yeah. I, I did agree. not like that. That was like one thing that kind of got on my nerves. I was like, the game which I feel like Ueda did not want that in the game. I'm sure he did not want that at all. That was probably uh-huh. a A sony thing because they're just like people are gonna forget absolutely um but other than that the game is really just about you figuring out these like environmental puzzles to get you and trico from point a to point b then to the next point a and point b as you go and really the experience of the game is not necessarily about in my opinion about you know, getting from point A to point B, it's more bonding with Trico the entire time. It, mm-hmm. as we alluded to before the break, Trico as an AI is a fascinating, fascinating creation because Absolutely. Trico, Trico is very smart, because, but also because Trico is a big fucking animal, Trico has moments of being dumb. And I know for people who played this game, they did not like that. They're like, why doesn't Trico understand anything? Yeah, But to me, and I think you agree with me on this one Trico is an animal. Trico's not a human. Trico's not in this also plays upon Ueda's earlier games where characters speak a language that sometimes they don't know what's going on. Like an eco, um, eco in, um, why am I blanking on her name? Yorna. Yorna um. Yeah they both speak two different languages and they're trying to communicate with each other while not understanding each mm-hmm. other. Yep. Shadow of the Colossus is spoken in a completely foreign language even though it's not as like clear about the mistranslations but like it's still like to a foreign language to the player. And then Last Guardian, the boy and the boy is speaking a language and Trico is an animal. Trico's not going to understand what the boy is saying. And it's learning about how do I control this massive creature to do what I want it to do, and it's different. It's not like most games, if any game. It's yeah.
1: In a lot of ways, it feels like you just did wake up with this like big dog. Like you're like, I think anyone who gets frustrated with this would have issues probably being a dog owner, something along those lines.
0: A hundred percent. What's that? A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. And it's like, um, I don't know. You you can feel almost the responsiveness grow Mm -hmm. with Trico Mm -hmm. almost intentionally. And I understand why people will be frustrated in the beginning, but the the pace picks up and the responsiveness picks up as Trico and the boy grow together. And it it feels very deliberate and excellent. It's
0: excellent. One hundred percent. Because I noted this too, when I played it, when you are given you know, the the four commands that you can give Trico. When you first do it, Trico is, like, really hard to control there. Right, yeah. But, like, not too long after, I noted, Trico is much better at knowing what I'm telling him to do. Uh-huh. And also, I noted when, like, let's say you had to get up to a higher ledge. Obviously, Trico can get up. Like, I noted Trico would just sometimes jump onto the ledge way before, like, I even knew... That I had to go up there. It's like Trico already knows. He's like, "Oh yeah, you go up here. Just jump on yes. my back." Like yes. Trico, at a certain point, starts to take over, which is really damn cool to see. Like an AI just be this responsive.
1: I think C- Trico, to a large degree, sets the pace of the game because mm-hmm. you're and, you're following him in a sense, and and I think Ueda's is kind of banking on you studying him. He's not as dumb as people think. Like he will give you clues. He'll study things that like you're supposed to go to or supposed to pay attention to.
0: Mm-hmm. Like Trico will point you in the direct if you're like stumped on a puzzle, Trico will actually like point you in the direction that where you yeah. need to go.
1: Or like play with like inner interactable yeah. objects.
0: Yeah, and it really gives an idea that Trico isn't just a computer character being controlled, like obviously there are points where you, I just think this because I go back to my game design course in college where it's like, there are specific moments where it's like, oh yeah, Trico is like in a scripted sequence. Like mm-hmm. when the when the bridge is falling, um, Yeah, like Trico's behavior is like scripted because that's a set piece moment. Mm-hmm. But that moment, like the scripted set piece moments are there as like sort of like um, moments that Trico is like, really bonding with you and the boy Mm -hmm. and like when trico and it's also and it also plays off like stuff you noticed earlier in the game like i noticed that like trico would sometimes drop his tail off a ledge so that you can grab it because you know trico is a fully climbable object much like you know the colossi were in shadow of the colossus so even then even without that shadow of the Colossus knowledge, like you're still prepped that, like, all of Trico is a climbable object. So it's like, even when you're stumped, like, when you have to do that first big jump, you're just like, well, maybe Trico is going to pull out his tail or grab me or whatever. And it, it's it's a great flow of it's like the game is slowly getting you accustomed to its controls and how to interact, but the game is like, also evolving at the same time mm-hmm. and and, and like,
1: speaking of which uh trico is is hurt really badly in the beginning of the game and his mm-hmm. his wings are essentially destroyed and he has horns much like wanderer and Eiko mm-hmm. did so that's a that's an interesting motif in the ueda games oh and yeah. his, his horns get broken off and his his wings are hurt and these set pieces come along kind of as uh Essential moments where, where Trico is healing and needs to push himself in
0: mm-hmm. order for
1: them to progress.
0: Yeah, he's he's leveling up too. It, yeah. And the thing is, is much to Ueda and his subtraction design mentality. You don't notice that on the first playthrough unless you're a keen observer. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't notice that, like, oh yeah, Trico's horns are growing back, or Trico's wings are getting bigger and bigger, or all this stuff you're just kind of in the moment and just kind of observing and experiencing the moment to moment and i love how these these very subtle things are just being implemented to the game so that when you do notice it's like oh my god like that that was a genius move like why i can't the any other game would have been like highlight like they would have had like a big set piece moment like Look how treacle's horns grew back. Sure. Like yeah. they would just, they would highlight, be like, "Look, it's like it would be like you know, just absolutely." It's uh, it, it's respecting your intelligence is what the absolutely. last guardian. Absolutely, yes. Um, because n- not to say the people that who skip stop playing this game are retarded, but but, <laughs> but like you. I can understand why people stop playing this because it is a slow. It well, for one, it's a slow burn of a game. But two, you have to get used to how to not only navigate because the boy is not like limber and like responsive himself. He's kind of clunky and weird, and so the game is asking you to sort of really immerse yourself in how this operates and. This is a game where I noted where it's like, normally for me, when I play a game, I can get like an hour or two of like a play session and I'm good, or I can get even longer. Like Last Guardian, like I I feel I can only play in like little bursts. Like it's, it's a unique sensation for me where it's not because like the game is tiring in like a sense of you're doing so much like sort of thing, but you... You it have does to take patience. Yeah, you have to come through this game with the right mindset. Or else because, you won't enjoy it. Yeah. No, because yeah, you're gonna like you're just gonna get upset at Trico's inability to do something. It's like, no, if you gave it the time, Trico will figure out what the fuck you're trying to do. Like I think of early on when there's that big um cave section with the big uh, pool of water. Uh huh. Yeah. It's like Trico won't come down. It's like, well, why isn't Trico coming down? You know, you know, he should just it's fine. Like he's bigger than the pool itself, practically. Like what do I what do I have to do to lure him down? Oh, like the game had taught me earlier, Trico likes the barrels, because the barrels heal him and or his food, which is a very cute thing. Like this yeah. big griffin just eats wood. Right. I guess. And whatever's inside those barrels, I have no idea.
1: Oh really? It it tells you the end. It's um, it's glowing jelly. It's glowing turquoise jelly of children that they. Collect. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I I completely missed that point. Well, I didn't
1: uh- notice until this playthrough. But essentially, so like you're climbing up the white tower in the end, and there's a big spinning fan right below where they drop these kids into. And like, oh yeah.
0: This is yeah. This did mention this like the plot of this game it, as we said it's simple but like once they reveal just enough it's kind of like a disturbing little story yeah of I like really
1: gas my first playthrough i gasped when i realized that these all these barrels that you've been giving Trico as a treat this whole time are like could have been you essentially.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I kind of had the sense of that. I just didn't know for sure that that was, was happening. I, I right. think you I don't just... want to
1: believe it at first, but like, I don't know what else it could be. I mean, I, I guess it could just be like their soul or whatever, or Like because yeah. they deposit it into the white tower and then it spits mm-hmm. the
0: barrel out. Yeah. They what. spit them out in that like green goo blob yeah. form, which is so creepy which goes in line with what he did in eco or turn out the shadow monsters are actually kids like you and you were just killing the exactly. souls exactly yeah it, it's it doesn't explicitly state like i just showed myself i showed my hand like it doesn't say it to you outright but like once you realize like what's going on it's like oh shit like this is a disturbing little world that's being world But it also adds to the experience like you really do feel like a helpless little kid in this ginormous, literally ginormous, they they call it the nest. It's like this big sort of walled off like ancient civilization where you have these like sentient ghost uh, knights in armor trying to chase you to get you back to be deposited into the master of the valleys in uh, immortality source. What's interesting
1: yeah. about Ueda's games is uh, there's a very deliberate ineptitude of the protagonists. Um, they're very clumsy. They're young, like Aiko and Boy here, are they're young. But mm-hmm. Wanderer, even in Shadow, is very clumsy with his sword. And I didn't really realize that until an adult. But he swings it so carelessly. It's big. Yeah, exactly. Like these,
0: and, yeah. and they're not.
1: I don't think they're supposed to be easy to control. They're, no. they're clumsy.
0: Yeah, I think they're meant to sort of tie you to this character. Yeah, not maybe not in the sense of like I want this character to be a one-to-one connection for the player, but more so for like tying you to who this person is as a character in this setting. Like Eco in the in Eco, like he's a literal boy and he's gonna be a klutzy dumbass like navigating and attacking things Mm -hmm. he's not going to be the most elegant of things with like wander and shadow shadow the colossus it makes a little bit more sense because it feels like wander is much more adept to fighting and everything and he of the three characters he feels the most like controllable i guess boy and boy is like a return to eco where it's like he can run fine but you know he like when when he he like he looks like fall- he's
1: drowning when he's in water he's like barely keeping his head above water yeah.
0: or like when he falls off Trico sometimes because that happens like he just falls over like a sack of potatoes yeah uh it you
1: it's it, endearing it's it's, it, really it's sweet in,
0: it's endearing and it really ties you to why having Trico is such an important thing in this world like mm-hmm. if 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 Trico was yeah, he's, you know, if if Trico wasn't there, the boy would be, you know, green goo. Like he would have been taken away by the knights because he can't fight back and he's not strong enough to like defeat them with his bare hands. He's just a little boy and he needs his he needs his big dog to protect him. Which I I know it's like a lot of people love to say that um the way to and ghibli films are very connected but i can see it the most here like agreed um whether what people think of ghibli films i like them you green know.
1: i do too yeah also but... to speak on that is uh you can actually see the village in this one mm-hmm. and it looks very much like the the village in like the beginning of princess mononoke where it's like the feudal japan mm-hmm. japanese village which is like which exists in aiko and shadow but it's obscene it's it's you Mm -hmm. know people are coming to these forbidden lands from this village and it's it's implied but you never see it until now
0: Mm -hmm. this is the most traditional story he's made but even but even then it's not it's not presented to you in the in the moment to moment as a traditional story it's it's very it much in the way like the souls games let the gameplay do the talking last guardian is very much it lets the gameplay of you and trico do the storytelling and in a way it kind of lets the player at least for me it's like you kind of build your own little story in your own mind of like what what is the boy saying to Trico? Like, oh, you're like imagining like the commands he's saying, or mm-hmm. when right. Trico is freaking out, like when he sees the big glass eyes, like, and you yeah. have to like, you can. It's not, it's not required, but like, you can pet Trico to calm him down. You know, it, it's allowing gameplay to drive the experience, and I'm not one who will. Poopoo poo games that rely on like cutscenes to tell the story like there's a time and a place for that like mm-hmm. I'm a Kojima dick sucker like <laughs> you don't you don't have to tell me twice that like games are allowed to tell their stories in whatever the way they want to you know whatever suits your game the best do it but there is something to be said where like the amount of cutscenes in a game is like under 10 minutes and all the storytelling is done through your direct input from gameplay and with the last guardian i don't know what it is so to say that makes me think that it's like arguably one of the best games ever made i i even said like i said in the i'm so popular discord that this is probably the best game ever like which is a bold statement for me to say let me because i've i have not declared a game as the best game ever but when
1: i saw you say that i couldn't believe my eyes i was like yes there's there's
0: there's some i don't know what it is because like like this like shadow of the colossus has such gargantuan highs of just like that extreme like unique boss fight that is like you did this on a goddamn ps2 what the flying (laughs) fuck like but there's something about Last Guardian where it's this, like, perfect balance of just, like, these big, big moments and these really tender, small moments. And they're all driven by gameplay.
1: What I like about it is there's no secrets. Like, yeah, you can collect the barrels. Like, there's a there's an achievement if you feed all the barrels to Trico. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't have to hunt for anything. Like, the the secret in the beautiful courtyard that you just found is the beautiful courtyard you just found. It's really just yeah. as simple as that
0: you know the the when like it's one of the more endearing and memorable images of the game it's like seeing trico playing in that shallow pool of water yeah. like that is an achievement in of itself like just seeing this like moment of the game that is just trico doing it because trico wants to like the script the game script told him to do that but that's or still when he,
1: uh, he, like you get knocked out in one of the uh um bird cages because there's mm-hmm. like these weird little like bird cages that give off like a conditioning signal that makes him attack you and it, it's intentional you're, you're supposed to get like eaten for him mm-hmm. eaten by him for a second there's like a little flashback which
0: by the way when that happened to you the first time did you think you had a game over
1: oh for sure yeah
0: which that that threw me for a loop i thought i had a game over but nope yep. that's for the story
1: and i was thinking about this the the second time around like his conditioning took over and made him eat you but he must have like when you were in there he must have like realized you like like realized and like made like had the willpower to spit you back up
0: yeah i think through that gameplay connection that was forming you know you get to see like trico's evolution from being a thing that was designed to capture boys like the boy that's so confusing boys like (laughs) the boy yeah um and it's amazing just to like see that transformation like where you know the the village like the village the boy comes from like all fears the tree goes for obvious reasons because they capture children and feed them to be turned into immortality goo but like it's amazing how if one thing just like breaks the connection between the master of the valley and the tree goes, it's like now the Trico is more or less just like a big gigantic dog that you like learn to like train. It's like how to train your dog, like the video game.
1: Yeah. Because well, great... the kid doesn't like participate in combat no. uh, necessarily. Like you can, you can rip, Sh- Trico <laughs> can knock suits of armor over and you can rip their uh, helmets off and that disables them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually, I don't think that it disables them. They chase after you and have to put their helmet mm-hmm. back on before they can, like, do anything. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually participate in the combat. So as soon as combat picks up, you can really just sit on Trico until it's yeah. all done. And I was realizing, like, wow, this is, like, a a really
0: big, beautiful pit mommy simulator <laughs> <here>. <laughs> I will say, like, even when this game was first revealed, God, like... Now that's 14 years ago in 2009. Trico is like one of the most beautifully animated creature. Yes. Like characters in any game ever. Like obviously like on my playthrough right now, it's like the part of the game where you have to like dive under the water with Trico and just like seeing all the individual feathers, like just animating in the water. Like it's so the level of care and detail to Trico is unreal. Oh, right. Like
1: and I, I get it when you compare, compare it to a, a Ghibli film because it has that like color and attention to detail and the, the feathers and the sunlight and the butterflies and the pollen and the sun and the, and the blades of grass. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's tasty. It's beautiful.
0: Oh yeah. It it's, you know, all this game was missing was studio Ghibli food. Am I right? Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I I was surprised. I mean, granted, I'm I'm always open to whatever game I play. Like I always try to give every game a fair shot. Like, un, you know, minus some exceptions, I will never give a, a Horizon Zero Dawn its fair shot. I'm I feel yeah. like I will, but most of the time, I will give a game a fair shot, even if someone says like it quote unquote takes hours to get into whatever that means, like there's sometimes merit to that concept like letting a gamer stew in mechanics and letting them slowly get payoff over time and not try to be instantly gratified with control and you know whatever like not to say that there's a bad that's a bad thing like there is merit in in merit to a slow burn or a game that just immediately out the bat is like balls to the wall like a devil may cry like that is perfectly okay like i'm fine you giving me full control and that's it like there's a time and a place but there's also on the flip side time and a place to a slow burn game
1: Yep, and relinquish and, relinquish your control in a lot of ways
0: oh yeah which is like and you know a heresy to a gamer some gamers right. where it's like they have to have precise one-to-one immediate control in their hands or else it's a bad game and it's just like no that's not true you know games should be allowed to have kind of cumbersome controls if the is that if that is what you are looking for i mean Look at the original Resident Evils or like Silent Hill. Those things don't those those don't control immediately and gratifyingly. They're fucking weird and obtuse. Granted, tank controls are not as impossible as people like to claim they are, but but that's a different point. I have issues.
1: I'm just not good at them.
0: <laughs> I mean, tank controls they make sense. Like when they click, they click. They're but like the point being is like they're designed to be kind of sluggish for the sake of the game, like, but I mean, even in resident evil, such a great example, some games can be sluggish and tankish and some games can be lightning fast and easy to control. And they both have their own merits and they both, you know, they, they can have their time in the sun. You know, we don't all need like resident evil fives as much as I would love it. We don't need resident evil five. Every single new resident evil comes out. Um, but to see and i think that's why last guardian hits so hard also is like it's such a unique big budget game in the 2010s that was not going with the grain at the time you know it was a purely linear experience that did not that made you have to earn satisfaction not get it immediately i thought it was
1: interesting how many um different ways it shows that the the master of the valley was using to condition and control the tricos like the eyes that would scare mm-hmm. them and, and render them essentially immobile and mm-hmm. then the perfume that would distract them mm-hmm. and then the the main one is this uh beam the the big ivory tower in the middle of the valley um has a huge antenna mm-hmm. on it that talks to all the tricos and tells them to go catch little also- kids
0: I would also say even the armor that they wear kind of has a has an element too, like because there was the there was the one trico the one armor uh, the one armored trico that attacks your trico, and as soon as you knocked that helmet off of it, it suddenly started to act normal.
1: Oh, that's true. That's really true. Yeah.
0: Which, by the way, the armor design for the tricos is kind of creepy too. With like, yeah, it's not like scary it's just kind of unnerving to see like Trico. This is going to get confusing to certain people. Like the Trico you come to grow with, like you see that kind of like proto dog face and you're just like, Oh, like, but then you see the armored ones where it's just the glowing red eyes and like that Mayan stone face on top of it. And it just, it's so alien to see, even though, you know, Trico started off like that. Like when you first meet Trico in the cave, he's still got parts of his armor still on him and and it's a nice like kind of visual thing too where it's like you take off the thing that was controlling him that one last bit of control and it's like oh now he's a friendly dog
1: i want to ask you about that um do you think that they knew that the lightning bolt so so trico kidnaps our, our protagonist and is flying him into the nest and gets struck by a bolt of lightning and falls very far and um These suits of armor collect him and bring him to the starting cave, essentially. And they chain him up, and Trico spits the boy out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think they knew that he was alive and his conditioning was broke, and they left him there for dead, chained up?
0: Yeah, I think it was a case of probably, like, they knew it was alive, and they didn't want a Trico not under control, wandering and escaping and they're just like it got hit pretty hard and if we chain it up it's probably going to die naturally yeah and i wonder I think, why not
1: just try to recondition it then
0: i don't know maybe maybe the master of the valley is like that that would cost too much of my budget <laughs> right yeah like, we we run a tight ship here in, in uh this is it the citadel i guess it's, is its name or no the nest we run a tight ship in the nest you know we we can't we can't spend more resources reconditioning this thing you know put it in the cave
1: you know it's funny um i noticed on this playthrough that um these bird cages that like send out this little baby signal that tell Trico to attack you they they look like cages and they have these barbs in it and they look like the uh big chamber where ico finds Yorta in in
0: Iko. Just mm-hmm. the
1: the whole geometry and these in these insidious
0: yeah spikes
1: coming out of it. And also, there's a lot of like the uh, the hanging cylinder cages dangling by a chain. That's that's an ICO.
0: Yeah, like once you get immersed in the world of U- Ueda's games, you do see like recurring visual elements. You know, yeah. here in the- other than the obvious like the bloom lighting and the mystical or the magical forgotten worlds that he places his games in or the civilization that clearly was here but has been lost to time mm-hmm. sort of thing right like those are the obvious but it's like oh yeah the chains are very similar in both like i've seen that chain before it's 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 like a weird comforting blanket to like Yeah, go to his games because like, even though they're all not connected directly, they're weirdly connected to each other.
1: Yeah, and there's also segments in both where you're separated from your companion in uh, like the underworkings of Mm
0: -hmm. the
1: castle or uh, the nest in this case.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like and each time with those three games when you get separated from your companion, it's the most scary part of the game. Yeah. The most challenging part of the game. Like on my playthrough, it's like when you get separated and the armored tricot is trying to get you in the birdcage. Right, exactly. Like, it's the most terrifying, arguably the most terrifying part of the game. And they all happen in the, the you know, not to say that Ueda's following like storytelling one oh one, but it's like uh, it just it just hits perfectly. It's, I think it's, it's
1: funny, I think he said in an interview that he got the idea for this from uh the the relationship that players developed with argo and shadow
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think i saw that too it yeah that's which amazing. makes complete sense like right yeah. people were really really torn up when aggro falls in that that uh mm-hmm. abyss towards the end of shadow which i was too like
1: who wasn't shoot yeah
0: which is amazing that again a connection to an ai companion aggro really doesn't do a whole lot but like aggro's there with you the entire time and yeah doesn't like abandon you. Agro's there to the bitter end. And he was always there. Yeah. And he's always, he's even there when you're gone. Like yeah, he shows, right. the, Which, you know, it's like, you know, Wanderer gets, you know, sucked into the nether, nether world or whatever. And it's just a twist, the knife in. Oh, yeah. Agro's back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He lived. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like, oh, thanks, Ueda. Oh. Yeah,
1: and he has a broken leg. Don't you feel yeah. bad now? He,
0: yeah. <laughs> It's like Shadow of the Colossus is like kicking you in the nuts, just yeah. like be like, don't you feel bad for doing all this yet? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I do,
1: yeah, I do, but I do it again.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I do it all again. Those colossus, yeah. those colossi deserve to die. Um, but and then I like how the Last Guardian is like the complete opposite, uh, where it's like, oh yeah, you get the happy ending. You know he he allows you to have that happy ending, which
1: well it's also bittersweet though because like uh, there's like a line in it as so so Trico like delivers you to he's like essentially dying like oh yeah with he gets his ta- strength like delivers he, you home. he gets
0: his tail ripped off and he's been attacked by all the armored Tricos yeah and then after you defeat the master of the valley and the, all the armored Tricos leave you know Trico your Trico in his last dying breath flies you back to your village you know and man that scene where trico is just in like scared for its life yeah on the ground and in clear pain yeah and you you utter your last command and i'm just like oh i
1: I know it i know it and then the the one of the guys in the village, like as he's flying off, says the beast probably doesn't have long to live. I was like, like who knows? Oh, like, maybe you maybe he lives,
0: which was a joke too. Uh, like when people, when this game was still in the consciousness of people in the late 20, 2000s, early twenty tens, people are like, oh yeah, the game's either gonna die with the end where the boy dies or the or the Trico dies. I'm like, right. yeah, but like I still want to see. Yeah. And it, you think Trico's gonna die, but no. <laughs> After you get gut-punched in the end, and you have to like watch all the credits play, which, oh man, I was I was shedding one manly tear during that.
1: What happens? I, I don't think I remember this.
0: Well, the epilogue where it turns out that you're, like, you know how when the game, you first start the game, the shield is, the mirror's in the ground? Yeah. Well, the epilogue is where uh, it cuts it pans out to show it's like oh yeah a bunch of kids are like wondering what it is and then boy as a man comes over to it and he pulls it out and he he broadcasts the mirror into the sky Uh and it follows all the way back to the nest and it shows Trico in the dark you see Trico's eyes light up
1: no way and then oh that's cool
0: and then Trico has uh, a little baby
1: oh let's go I was like (laughs) I was like (laughs) so this it is, is the th- good ending.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this is what we call subverting expectations. That's it. Uh, it it and that man when when I when I thought Trico had died, like flo- flown off to go die alone, I was like Right. I was crying. I was Dude, like I
1: was too straight up. <laughs>
0: I did I I haven't felt this way for a god dang like character. I haven't felt this many times but like damn, I I felt that. Yeah. Like yeah. The, and what's in, especially
1: given the command to tell him to
0: go? Which, oh my god, that's that. Just is weak. It, the boy's like near yeah. dead. He's just like raising his hand, and just saying,
1: "Draco." Uh huh. It's
0: like, oh my god. That's so like, good. But yeah, the epilogue it it brings you back, and man, I oh man. I'm to go look
1: that up later. I didn't know that.
0: Oh, and it plays like the best song in the game too. Like I'm not even joking. It. It's like, and by the way, another thing too, I love this score. Like the music yes. to this game is beautiful.
1: For all the games. Like I, I listen to the ICO soundtrack like once a week. Like you like, were there and, and like uh, what's crazy, missed.
0: What's crazy too, and I mo- I pointed this out last season on the Shadow episode, is that each game has its own composer.
1: Oh, that's cool. That makes sense. Which, they all sound a little
0: different. They sound different, but they all sound the same. Like much yeah, like there how there's
1: some sounds in this one that I heard Shadow in.
0: But it's it's interesting. Like the score is much again. It's probably the most conventional on paper. I'd say you know it's it's got like you know your standard symphony orchestra like dramatic moment, Mm -hmm. but it still has like that unique team eco like choir playing on top. It's so good. It 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 delivers it. The game itself could have delivered the emotion, but the music just puts it over the top. Yep. It's like God. Also, looking at it right now, Trico can mean prisoner in Japanese. Or baby bird. Or it's a portmanteau of bird and cat.
1: I thought Uh, I always thought that it was tri Aiko, Like in their
0: which again plays off just when they were developing shadow. The in the the name for it was called Niko, oh. which in Japanese Zach can correct me when he if he ever listens right, yeah. to this. Ni I think means two. So it's like second Iiko. And then tree is like, oh yeah, try or third Iko. Like
1: but it had all these other plays going, so they just stuck with it. Yeah, exactly. That's neat. That's really cool.
0: But I like how the trico uh means prisoner which fits perfectly what Trico is, as a prisoner to the master of the valley and the boy, too, in this nest. Oh, my God. It's like, at a certain point with this game, I have to just say you have to play it to get it. That's really, that's yeah. all I can really say is, like, you have to play this game to know what we're talking about because the much like the other games in this... Tri- I guess it's an unofficial trilogy at the moment. We're still waiting for that fourth game that is clearly in development and has been teased at uh, whenever that one happens. Uh, Quattro Echo we'll call it. Yeah, saga. that's right. <laughs> um, uh, these three games, you really don't understand why people have such a strong connection to them until you've played them. Mm-hmm. They are the epitome of you have, like, the gameplay in experiencing the moments and the diff- the, the small, quiet moments or the big set-piece moments, they all have to be experienced for you to get that payoff and that the intention behind it. And what I love about them so much is that they use the medium of games to tell their story. Like, they are purely something that only could truly exist in games like you could adapt the last guardian into a movie like it's right. i mean the never ending story is very similar to this uh, in yeah. a to yeah. a degree except the horse doesn't die in last in the last guardian whatever but if you were to adapt the last guardian to a movie you wouldn't feel that connection you might or to a, book, a yeah. you you would get it to an extent but like the physical act of like learning how to tame this beast only achievable by playing it Mm -hmm. and that's what i love too is that it uses its medium to tell a story that only this medium could truly deliver on and amen there's again like there's always like this raging topic about like how game stories should be told and like was this game really needed to be told as a video game like yada yeah. yada yada I don't I'm they not should. gonna yeah. put effort into that I don't have the energy this week um <laughs> yeah. um I have the energy to yeah. do this podcast don't worry about me um but I will say like doing it when you when you can feel, when you can tell that a game was made because the medium of video games was the only way to get this across the best way like you you feel it when you play like that's why it hits so much harder you know. Like, because I mentioned earlier, it's like Devil May Cry 5, the reason it hits so well is because it's a damn video game. Like, you wouldn't get that payoff if, if Devil May Cry was a movie or if it was a game or a TV show. Like, you you have to learn how to royal guard uh, reversal enemies to get to that payoff is what I'm trying to say. You know? I know it's
1: kind of a meme, but uh, what I liked about The Nest is um, as the game progresses like you do see places you've been before it's kind of like mm-hmm. you know oh I've been there you can see where you can go but as the game goes on you do recognize structures that you've explored before and mm-hmm. that's really neat uh, same in the sense of Ico it, looking across the castle in Ico you can you can recognize places that you've been before as well
0: mm-hmm. another yeah.
1: interesting touch in uh, this game was the the loading screens like the encyclopedia sketches mm-hmm. um which that's that's probably one of the newer uh, ideas. Like that's some that's something that definitely wasn't in any of the other games. And it's showing other like it shows normal creatures. Like I think it's a fox and things like that, and a giraffe. But then it also shows like a, uh, a unicorn and a griffin. And I thought it was interesting that it showed a griffin because it was it's telling you that griffins exist, but Trico isn't necessarily one.
0: He looks and then like there's one. A
1: phoenix. Um, which is actually one of the co- colossi, which I thought was kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, it's a new, it's new for these for Ueda to have like this sort of, uh, I guess you could say, stage to which the story is being told from. It, but it also adds a lot to the charm of this game. It feels like it's being read from like a storybook, right? Of like yeah. a boy and a and a beast becoming you know interconnected and becoming friends like it does have a storybook quality to it and Mm -hmm. that framing device of the book of magical creatures i think is such a small again a small but beautiful touch to this game i mean
1: yeah especially with the narration it feels very storybook
0: oh yeah like it feels like the, the the boy as a man is like telling his kids about his time with a Trico, like, mm-hmm. and like, then it comes. You know when it f- turns out, oh, the story, the story was real. Like, I actually went there, and I'm gonna go call my Trico. Like, right. it's so, oh man, just pain. Like, I still stand by that. This is, if I can't say definitively, it is the best game ever. I will say first fact that this is at least like, probably in my at bare minimum top ten. probably in my top five like it is magical this experience is and as i you know you have to give this a shot like it is you can't let this game be forgotten you know uh that's all i can really say it's like play this game if it's not like if it's not for you then so be it like i understand that but if you're at least open open your heart and experience this game then like I think you'll be taking on something truly magical. Like, I I have I have to say Ueda saved his best for his at the moment last, um until the four until Quattro Ico comes out. That's right. Um, I don't know if you have any other closing words. I think we exhausted everything without just repeating play the game already like forty times in a row.
1: Please play it. It's when I grabbed it. It was like I don't know ten bucks.
0: Yeah, I got store. I got my physical copy for twenty dollars off eBay.
1: Yeah, see, and and
0: just... if you and if you're a dirty digital player, you can probably get it for like fifteen dollars. It's it's not hard to get. It's just fucking play it. I that's all I can say. Like I'm praying, I'm begging you, listeners, to play The Last Guardian already. So yeah, um, with that. I cannot thank you enough for joining me on this journey, Sterling. It's been thank an you, sir. absolute pleasure me. That was oh, fun. Please, the pleasure is mine. It's listen, you have a you have a you have a comfy chair in the third place. You're always welcome back. It means a lot. And, yeah. Looking forward to it for sure. So I think that is a